Sounding great and feeling really straight. It's time once again for the show that emanates from two different corners of the place we call Gitmo Nation. Coming to you from Gitmo Nation, East and South West London in the Curry Terrace. I'm Adam Curry. I'm John C. Dvorak here in northern Silicon Valley in the Gitmo Nation. <laughs> Howdy, my friend. Well, we just did a show on Thursday. And now we're doing one. I think we're going to move this one, though, for people out there who want to know. Move probably it to Sunday? To sun- Sunday. Why is that? Well, I think it's because you've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then Sunday show, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, you know, it, I think it breaks it up better. better you get balance. that one extra day. Weird things happen on Saturday. Um, well, you, I don't know. A lot, a lot of uh, covert decisions are made on Sundays. You know, like I don't want to do it on Monday, so no, no, forget no, no, no. it. Well, it's, it's okay. I must say, though, I noticed... That when we did the show on Thursday, you you were in a much um, more awakened state than on the weekend, and I'm, I'm myself as well, probably awakened. Yeah, state. like uh, like we were really you know because yeah, we, yeah, we didn't get plastered the night before. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Says you. <clears throat> uh, so um, I I we were talking just before the show started, and of course, then I said, oh, let's just get the show rolling. Because you're uh, you're outraged, and um, and I just want to kind of feed you and just uh, pour more fuel on the fire because I really need a good solid JCD rant. Okay, here we go. Ready? Do, do I get to interject, or do I just sit back and listen for the whole? No, you can throw in anything you want. You're not okay. Get oh, much let, let, let me say yeah. Let me say yeah. Hey, John, how about that SEC? Yeah, how about that SEC? Okay, here we go. <laughs> oh man, I so gave you a cue. <laughs> here we go. Now, let, let me just here's, – here's what set me off. Mm-hmm. I'm reading this four-page article on Reuters about savings lost to Madoff, elderly, elderly forced to forced back to work talking about how some 90-year-old guy has to you know work at McDonald's and all that kind of thing. Because, uh, on because on Madoff it. lost his pension fund money. Yeah. Right. And the list is out, by the way, and it, what we blogged it. Yep, and uh, you can get links to it. It's been linked by you know, but it's, it was been pulled down from a couple of the sites. Yeah, thank you for the link. I, I downloaded it. It's it, what is it like three hundred and fifty names on there? No, it's more than that. It's like one hundred sixty oh, pages. No, I'm sorry, six hundred and fifty names. No, no, no. It's more, more than, than that. that. It's a hundred. It's a hundred and sixty pages, and each page has God about damn. fifty, sixty names on it each. It's thousands. Jesus Christ! Unbelievable, and all with with. Addresses and yeah, the cool thing is it has a search engine. The PDF file does. <laughs> yeah, just... and you can look up the city. You can look up London, for example. See how many people in London were burned. I, I got a you laugh could... out of Beverly Hills. That was kind of funny. Beverly Hills, a bunch of Beverly Hills. Of course, the real concentration is New York City. Yeah, thousand, I think two thousand people in New York City alone, or something like that. Yeah, and uh, also a lot in Boca Raton and Palm Beach. Yeah, the retirees. So you're reading this list and and you're thinking, hmm. Well, no, I'm actually reading this list looking for people. Arthur Rock's name showed up. One of the original venture capitalists who invested wow. in Apple in his early days. Oh, okay. All right. And what's also kind of pathetic about that list, you start looking at it, and it's like, you know, you see the name of the, the husband, the name of the wife, and the name of the, <laughs> the family kids. trust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big word there on Wall Street, trust. Yeah, we love those. <laughs> family trust. I guess you have – your family is now out of business. Yeah, kaput. So – All right, so I read this. This is what set me off. This is the last two paragraphs of this long article. After losing money to Madoff, Lawrence Vavell 
dean of the Massachusetts School of Law, said both the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission and the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority could be held liable for investors' losses. Quote, the brokerage industry is responsible for this because they are the people that caused all of this, he said. Hmm. So I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. Are you telling me that because of these boneheads, and I sent you a picture of uh, Linda Thompson and her cohort. I wouldn't hire them in my company. Two lawyers, by the way, who don't know anything. I want you to go to that photo, which I sent. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I yeah, tweeted. I got it, it. I got tweeted, it here. Tweeted, yeah. Yeah. Read that little, that little caption. Mm-hmm. Uh, SEC officials Lori Richards left and Linda Thompson described how the SEC has not been able to keep up with the increasing complexity of the financial markets. <laughs> In other words, they can't keep, keep no, up. No, they can't keep up. Of course not. Lawyers. Who, anyway. who looks, the, the, what's the name on the left? Lori Richards. She, she looks like she has to take a massive dump in this picture. You ought to see pictures of the other one. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so, but meanwhile, they can go after Martha Stewart. You well, know, well, but, okay, John, hold on a second. I, let me get you a little more incensed. Don't you think that it is perhaps possible that they're protecting Madoff because he's, you know, lots of people had to know. The Madoff thing is a fractal, John. It's a fractal of the entire financial market. Oh, yeah, no, markets. there's some, something hokey going on. And there was also an SEC person involved in the in the Madoff family. Of course. But beside the point, I, I don't, I, I'm actually of the opinion that this is just bureaucratic incompetence. And, uh, and like, People is put into a job and, and they know since they're professional bureaucrats that all they really have to do is sit back, make a, you know, make a little stink here and there, go after Martha Stewart, get a lot of ink for that. By the way, so I did a calculation on Martha Stewart's, you know, uh, horrible crime compared to this thing. And just to give people a little idea of this, Martha Stewart was going to, what she had done wrong was listen to her stockbroker tell her that the daughter of this CEO was selling all the stock of the company that she held some stock in, and so she decided to sell. That's the whole thing. That's right, the whole right. major crime. And it, and it was what, $67,000 or something no, like no, that? No, no, it was 45673 <laughs> Dude, people are in jail for life because they got caught smoking marijuana three times. Come on. I mean, yes, so the, of course, it's crazy. So the factor between Madoff's scam, and Madoff, by the way, is still out. Yeah, he's in, in, he's in uh, a par- uh, Park Avenue home arrest. <laughs> is one point oh nine million, like thousands of degrees of magnitude, and I, I decided, how am I going to compare Martha Stewart's great crime that these two women, by the way, the woman Thompson was was the main person after Stewart. If you read her bio, she was taking great pride in busting Martha Stewart. The factor Uh. is if you take the earth to the sun's diameter, it's 100 to (laughs) 1. This is 10,000 suns compared to the earth. 10,000 suns compared to the earth. That is the difference between Martha Stewart, who ended up in jail, and this crime that was handed to them on a silver platter, apparently, time after time, they refused to do anything about it. So now I'm reading that these, the, that the, that the taxpayers may be liable for this. So I look into this. Well, you know, then again, I'm going to look at the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. Who was the head of that thing from, let me see, uh, 2006 to 2009? Oh, man, I can't wait to hear it. Mary Shapiro. 
Mary Shapiro was the head of that op- operation. She should have had something to do with it. What is Mary Shapiro doing now? She was appointed by Obama to be the head of the SEC. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And what kind of change is this? This woman, Mary Shapiro, who you can look at, look up her picture. She has been essentially a bureaucratic hack working with Clinton's administration, George H.W. Bush administration, Ronald Reagan. She was actually the chair of the SEC temporarily under Reagan. She has always been in these, one of these positions. Then she took over that, the FI. RA, the, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and she was in there from 2006 to 2009. She should have done something about made-up. She did nothing. And meanwhile, now she's the head of the SEC, and her she's exactly the same as these other women, a lawyer with she's no, no financial background. That no I can background tell. whatsoever. Well, this further solidifies... Well, how, how has this changed? Well, this further solidifies what I've been saying for over a year now, and others for much, much longer, that it's a wrestling match. It's like professional wrestling. We get these two parties. We got the guy in the red cape, the guy in the blue cape, and they pretend to wrestle around, and we're going to, you know, we're going to say this is the guy we want to win. But it's the same people behind all of this. There is no change. It's exactly the same people from the past two administrations who are in there wreaking havoc, wreaking havoc. I and think wreaking is the word. Now, I guarantee you that the U.S. taxpayers are going to get stuck with a $50 billion bill. This is the scam, John. This is the scam. The scam is, and I I bet you a lot of people of those thousands of names on the list are in on the scam, where, first of all, this money went somewhere. Uh, It didn't all go into Madoff's pocket, okay? I've seen the yachts. I've always wondered, how can some motherfucker afford a yacht like that? And I've, I've seen the wealth. It is just outrageous. It, the wealth was flowing. Now they blow it all up because they, you know, they had to. It's a part of, I guess, a plan. And then everyone gets the payout anyway. Everyone gets their money back. It's a, it's not, it's a Ponzi on top of a Ponzi. It's fucking beautiful. Well, in the meantime, of course, there's a few people that are going to have to wait to get their money. These 90-year-old farts who are working at McDonald's. Anyway, I just found it unbelievable that the woman who headed up the other regulatory agency that was supposed to take care of this and could be liable for this losses is now- ends up as the head of the SEC. These other two women, these other two lawyers, Thompson and whatever, Lori, uh, they – were the enforcement, oh, by the way, you know, she, one's the enforcement officer and the other, I mean, compliance or something. I mean, what, where, where are some financial people that know what they're doing instead of just these lawyers? I mean, I just don't, I'm not getting it. Well, the whole White House is now filled with lawyers. The first, the first lady and the president are lawyers. Yeah. It's all yeah. lawyers. I guess, they, <laughs> I guess the whole country's gotten lawyered up. But it, it really hit me this week, John, I think after we spoke on Thursday, that Madoff is just a fractal. My fractal recognition program went off, and I went, of course. This is just a small part of this entire pyramid, which is the financial industry. The whole thing is, is a scam. Every, everywhere I look, it's just, it just doesn't add up. The numbers don't add up. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Meanwhile, by the way, that woman... Uh... 
Here she is, Mary Shapiro, if anybody, I don't know, who, I don't know who subscribes to Equities magazine, <laughs> but she's on the cover. She was the cover girl. Mary Shapiro and the new Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. After taking the top job at the NASD in September of 2006, Mary Shapiro sculpted its consolidation with NYSE regulation to create a stronger, more efficient regulatory body. Shapiro now serves as the CEO of the newly formed Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, which, which oversees 5,100 securities brokers dealers doing business in the United States. Unbelievable. And they're the ones that are supposed to have the real oversight, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. So that's my rant for the day. Uh, on, uh, you know, I, I mean, well, I sent, of course, I sent that picture of that, those, that you two that you see there on the Twitter. Mm-hmm. I sent that out to, I said, look at these two women. <laughs> that's all I said. <laughs> the head of the, you know, the ones responsible. That's, that's, and that's I get the a bunch captions. of flack back from a bunch of women. So what are you, a sexist ageist for you? What are you, what are you trying oh, to Jesus say? Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, uh, so Timothy Geithner, I saw his first, um, press conference. Now that he's been, uh, confirmed as, Secretary of the Treasury, did oh, you have? Did you happen to catch C-SPAN? it? Yes, yeah, C-SPAN, of no, course. No, I know. I, I haven't gotten on the C-SPAN bandwagon like you have. Well, listen to his first meeting. It was a meeting of the president's working group on financial markets, better known as the Plunge Protection Team. Now, do you have a clip? No, because he he barely said it. It was so funny because again, C-SPAN just does raw with no commentary, and so you just see see them all waiting there, and the photographers are waiting, and then you know, so the camera's already rolling for about three or four minutes before he finally gets the cue, and then he says, and then he starts off. But you know, it's just a it's just a photo op. He says nothing. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know you know it's that long table that they always sit at in the in their conference room, whatever it is. Yeah, I will. Um, well, while we're on that tip, let me uh, bring up a list here, which we do need to discuss, because it goes perfectly with these uh, with these two women. You know, the White House, I love WhiteHouse.gov as well, because they have uh, press releases, which is cool, just like a company, which, of course, it really is. Uh, for immediate release, February 6, 2009, Obama announces Economic Advisory Board. I hope you uh, caught a whiff of this list, John. No. So, uh, again, I saw it on C-SPAN, and uh, there was uh, our president, uh, and he had a whole whole bunch of people, and I recognized a few of the faces, which we'll get to. And he said, these are the people. Let's see if I have a quote here, actually. Mm, the Economic Recovery Advisory Board... Economic Recovery Advisory Board will provide regular briefings to the president, vice president, and their economic team. The board will be established initially for a two-year term, after which the president will make a determination on whether to extend the work of the board. Um, and it was funny, and I wish I did have the sound clip. At, at a certain point, you know, Obama says, well, these people here, you know, a lot of them all think they're economists. Big laugh. And he says, but some of them actually are economists. And he, he, it was funny. He was, it was a f- fucking great, great little stand-up, you know, great script. And he was reading, obviously. So here are the members of the board. Okay, I pulled it up. William H. Oh. Donaldson, chairman of the SEC from 2003 to 2005. Oh, overseeing Madoff. Yeah, okay. Roger Ferguson Jr., president and CEO of the TIAA. That's the Teachers Association, I think. You, you think? Yeah, I, isn't it? Well, hold on a second. TIAA. I think that's the Teachers. Well, let's move on because there's, yeah, yeah, there's give me the list. I'll look that up. Okay. Robert Wolf, chairman and CEO of UBS, <laughs> a banker. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, the CIO of Yale University. Oh, actually, the TIAA is the Teachers Insurance and Annuity Association. Okay. Well, and the College Retirement Equities Fund. Let's just skip to the good ones, such as Jeffrey R. Immelt, CEO of GE. This is fascism. This is this is how it happens. <laughs> yeah, corporatism, right? Corporatism, and it's moving into fascism. GE, which of course makes the stupid mercury-filled light bulbs that are being forced in our ass but owns MSNBC, CNBC, NBC, which ones am I missing? I mean, and, and who probably will get a bailout from the government. It's just, that's outrageous. Now, here he is, our buddy, John Doerr, partner of Kleiner Perkins, Caulfield & Byers. He finally got into some kind of post. He did, but yeah. I don't think that's what he was I ang- don't think he was. For. So it goes down, then there's the CEO of Caterpillar, the uh, chief executive officer of La Opinion, I don't know. Is that market research? Then there's Charles Phillips, Jr., president of Oracle Corporation. (sighs) And they do have two economists, Laura Dandria Tyson, dean, the Haas School of Business at University of California, Berkeley, of course, and Martin Feldstein, who's professor of economics at Harvard. So they've basically got corporate America and then two token economists thrown in. Right, and a couple of token venture capitalists or Silicon Valley people, so they can get that out of the way. Yeah, you know, because they they're indebted to them. So they say, "Hey, what do you what else you want?" It'll be very. That would be an interesting meeting to be at because that door is very kind of outspoken, and he really believes. Yeah, totally. He's a real believer. Um, and we knew and we knew the, we knew something was going to happen because you know he asked if he if he could be let off the board of uh, of Nevio. Because he's basically cutting back a lot of his board work, and he's really going to do this full time. Interesting. So did you let him off? <laughs> yeah, we replaced him with uh, Bing Gordon. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I think I found somewhat of a smoldering, if not smoking gun, John. All right, go. And oh, this- by the way, can I mention what? Can I just go back to what, my rant? Just to mention one more oh, interesting please. little tidbit Any, you know, about, about Mary Shapiro. While she was the chairwoman of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority and now head of the SEC, she happens to be a member of the board of directors of Duke Energy and Crafts Food. How is, does that work? Is she well? You, well, of course. I mean, how can you be a board member while you're on a regulatory authority? Isn't that the, the definition of a conflict of interest? Yeah, but the, the, uh, she'll waive. The, she gets a waiver for that. Oh yeah, okay. No, she, anyway, will, she, that, will, she will recuse I herself. I don't want to harp on this. Poor, maybe she's the nicest person in the world. I don't know. Anyway, go well, back. She's to just you. she's just another tool. That's all. Just another little tool. And by the way, for all the people who are emailing me, let's just get one thing straight. I did not vote for John McCain. I thought he was just as bad as Obama. The Republicans and Democrats are the same thing. They work for the same people. So stop. Emailing me about that, like you know, well, it would have been worse if McCain had won. <laughs> worse Jesus, you don't, you don't get with the program. So, if yeah. you look at the chart of the Dow Industrial Average, John, then I, I, mm. I, I would like you to pull it up. Uh, Finance.yahoo.com, I guess, is the easiest. You can just click yeah. on that chart. So, give me the date when uh, the huge, when really the crash took place. 
Oh, I can tell you right now. It's uh, November 20th. No, 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 no. It's before that. When did the slide well, not, start? I'm sorry. That's the bottom. The bottom was November 20th. By the way, people are all upset about calling the bottom. I have about two. I've made, I've made about three bets. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. I, I seem to, maybe I'm a, I have a problem with gambling, but um, <laughs> I made about three bits because one guy writes. Right, I, have, right I, since, I told you what it's going to be, and 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 I will be right, but we'll get to that later. Seventy two eighty six by February fourteenth. That was my long number. I called it in October. So the, uh, so when did the slide start? Oh, okay. Let me get, bring up the chart. Hang on. You really have to do a, a, a full year chart to see it, but then it's yeah, yeah, pretty, yeah. I'm gonna pretty obvious. To, I have to sign in to get the what I'm looking oh, for here. Jesus, just well, you should give me a warning or a heads up on some of this stuff. <laughs> you know, like send me a little list of hey, do this and do that. No, I want you to. I want to command you on at my will, <sighs> at my beckon. Well, you work you, for you, me, you, remember? You're boring the public with this bullshit. <laughs> Dow Jones Industrial Average. Let's look at the basic tech analysis, and let's look at the two-year chart. All right, so we had a couple of interesting – this is a very funny chart because it was at 14,000 uh, back in September of 07, September, October, November maybe. Then it took a di dive, as it would do, and then in January of 08 – Dived and bounced off at twelve thousand a couple of times. Made a little, a little what they would like to call a bull trap, which just means the market looks like it was going up and it decided to go just the other way. And then it came down. I think I guess it started in uh, May. I would say from this June, maybe June '08. It took its first its first dive, and then it took a huge dive. The big one was in October. Right. Thank you. Took you long enough to get there. Press release. Well, October is always the traditional month for this kind of thing. From the FederalReserve.gov website, October sixth, two thousand eight. The Federal Reserve Reserve Board on Monday announced it will begin to pay interest on depository institutions required and excess reserve balances this is what happened john this is where the this is where the credit crunch came from the fed for the first time and as far as i know ever started to pay interest on deposits which is the you know the, in the federal reserve banking system banks can lend out a factor well it used to be 10 but it's probably 30 or 40 by now amount of money they had in reserve and they put that money in the reserve bank but they didn't get interest on it. So as of October 6th, the Fed started paying, I think, 75 basis points interest on not only the required reserve, but any excess reserve balances. Now, I haven't done all the research yet, but I'm pretty sure the Fed's balance sheet has ballooned ex to an extraordinary amount because all these banks... They took that money, they took the TARP money, and they just deposited it with the Federal Reserve to get more interest and with more security than anywhere else. This is, I call this a smoking gun. Wow. That's, I'll give you 10 points on that one. That's a pretty good theory. And I like it. It scares me. This scares the bejesus out of me. So all they have to do to fix the economy is saying it's, we're not going to give interest yes. anymore. That's all they have to do to, to get the credit flowing. Absolutely. Yeah. And and think about it. I mean, I, I don't know what it is now, but 75 basis points, I know it's not very high, but if it's from the Fed, you know, shit, yeah, I'm going to put my money. I, look, I wish I could put my money it's, in there. It's free money. Totally free money, but not just for the required amount, but for any excess. Oh, my God. 
So this is this, you know, all these things make me think more and more. This is architected. Yeah, well, that would make some sense. Architected is, you know, now we're going to have that's why, by the way, if that's true, which is a really interesting concept. Although, of course, we had all these other weirdnesses, but we got like cheap oil now. I mean, things should be booming if that's true. And it can be reversed so quickly because if you look at that chart in October, that sucker took a dive. In like a I mean, week. It, was like, it went in a week. It, it looked like a, it, a real crash. Yeah, remember we had 700 points, then 600 points, 300 yeah, points, boom, boom, boom. And, and so um, if that's true, then the theory that a number of us have that that, that we could have a, uh, a rally this year or, or a bull market even uh, this year – Holds up because if they put the you know the, they, they just pull the trigger on that no we're not going to give you interest anymore we never did that before we're not going to do it again it doesn't seem and now they could point back maybe and say well look what it did it wasn't a good idea and they can stop doing it uh, I don't think market, people know about it no, no one talks about well, they it do now well yeah I'm going to harp on it I'll, yeah. I'm going to bring it up with Horowitz the next time Thank I talk you. with him on Thank you please do thing and we'll see what he says please do but that was a good find. Well, you know, you got to listen you know, to sometimes a, you know you, sometimes you can do that. You can go and look at the you can look at the circumstances of a of an anomalous crash. I mean, the situation we're in is is very unusual, and you can just go look at what what news of the day took place. Was there anything? You know, when they had that 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 crash back in uh, two thousand. You know, there was there may have been a connection between that and and the Justice Department going after Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Bill Gates says that's what was going to happen. And so, if you find that the news of that, you might find that there's some just little thing, or even though this is not little, it's major, that triggered the whole thing, and people are. Uh, Blaming it on everything else. And again, this brings us back to the situation with the oil run up. People were dreaming up all this malarkey, this baloney about, oh, shortage, there's not enough oil in the world. Peak oil. Peak oil. Peak oil. We're all going to die. And the rest of it, when the whole thing was rigged, and there's a number of people who knew it was rigged, and they've said it was rigged. Do you know what the biggest oil company is? Do you know what, what truly the biggest American oil company is? It's Lehman Brothers or something. Yeah, like and Morgan that. Stanley, exactly. Yeah. Morgan Stanley. Yeah, that's just a trick question. Anyway, <laughs> yes, I, so they didn't get you this time. I will curses. Anyway, so they had uh, you know, so you get this this baloney that's fed to the public, and they all eat it up and buy Priuses and you know turn off their lights, which they should do anyway, and. Um, and then, of course, the, the scam is unveiled, and they put, they do a little regulatory change. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, of course. Well, no, then it's always oh, it was this one company who was doing all this uh, hedging and short selling, and blah blah blah. They make up some bullshit, <laughs> and then the thing goes drops like a rock. Exactly. Yeah, we're being scammed. Well, it's unbelievable. Well, let me. So I just want to get the whole yeah. thing. And, you yes. know, I, yes, I, I've been rigged. in the market forever because I kind of put myself through college with because you've been around I, forever. That's right, Sonny. They're white folks, and then they're so, motherfuckers uh, like you. <laughs> I stepped on that. Do it again. They're white folks, and then they're ignorant motherfuckers like you. So uh, we'll get to that clip later and what it, where that came from. Couldn't resist. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, I, I, it's almost as good as... In you know, the morning. The, the thing is, is you know that I was always told from the get go is it's rigged. 
<laughs> really? You got to be on the right side of the of the rig job. Of course, you got to be on the right side. And the of the whole rig game job. with the stock market is just trying to outguess how it's being manipulated. I mean, there are you know legitimate things that do take place once in a while, but generally speaking, what we're watching here is is just a scam. And you know, then they, 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 no, you know, of course, I don't know. Like what, you said, what, they I got mean, these huge yachts, and they don't give a shit about some ninety year old man having to work at McDonald's. Listen, if if uh, all the banks went went bust, right? Completely gone. It would only take 400 points off the Dow, right? I mean, it, 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 it's, it's not, it, yeah, it's a big industry, but it, it wouldn't impact everything that much. However, to then see that this industry, you know, we talked about last week, that pumped $147 billion in bonuses in 2007. Come on. It, just even, look, I, you know, I'm no college graduate, but even I can see that doesn't add up. So anyway, all right, enough of this. All right, so let, let me let me get to something already. Um, Politifact.com has something they call the Obometer, which you really should Ooh. take a look at. I like the Obometer. The Obometer, yeah. And what they're doing is they're tracking his campaign promises. Oh, yeah, I've seen this. Right. So uh, I, I pulled it up this morning to take a look and see how he was doing, our president. And the, you know, this... He has held uh, onto a lot of things, kind of, but uh, a really important one was the sunlight before signing promise to reduce bills rushed through Congress and to the president before the public has the opportunity to review them. Obama, quote, will not sign any non-emergency bill, that of course is the key, without giving the American public an opportunity to review and comment on the White House website for five days. Well, <laughs> that is exactly the opposite of what's happened. Uh, the uh, S chips, as an example, uh, of course, the Ledbetter bill. Not that anyone, you know, but I still I would have liked to have seen it. You know, the, the promise was five days, and you get to comment on the website. It, that's just not there. And now, of course, he's literally, you know, did his Friday thing, which the markets, I guess, have now baked into their numbers by pumping the Dow up two hundred points. You know, he said, uh, you know, he, he said in no uncertain terms, catastrophe if we don't sign a bill. Catastrophe. Disastrous. And I think um, that kind of goes against the sunlight before signing thing, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I don't even remember that sunlight before signing, but I can. Uh, well, yeah, this website is good. It, you can take those prompt, that promises list and just throw it out the window. Yeah. There's going to be a few no-brainers that he's going to obviously get off the checklist. I've seen this list. It's huge. Yeah, five, the guy made more promise. It yeah. was unbelievable. It's like whatever audience he went to, he made some promise, you know, aimed at getting their vote. He can't keep up with this. I mean, there's no way. There's things that are just there's way too many of them, and it's like he couldn't do it in, in two terms. Well, here's one I've been waiting for, uh, $3,000 tax credit for companies that add jobs. That was uh, that was a big one. That was uh, the that was part of his middle class uh, saving thing. Well, that must be in the uh, in the plan that they're trying to pass, right? No, it's not in the plan. But that doesn't make any sense. He promised it. <laughs> Hold on. Obama, who am I, bitch, nigga? Buy your own damn fries. <laughs> you better explain where that's coming from. Otherwise, we'll be deemed racist. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, there's a website, and I've linked, uh, I 
I don't know. I guess I haven't blogged it yet. No, anyway, thank uh, you. I appreciate it. I was I was watching. Like I'm not going to do this on no agenda if you blog it before the show. Okay, well I'm blogging it today. Yeah, go anyway, for it. so go for it, it turns out, and there's this website, this woman's website. It's a pretty good site. It's kind of political, and she doesn't seem to like Obama, which makes sense. Uh, apparently, Obama did the read of his own books for audiobooks. Yep. And this, these, this is Obama's voice, but he's not, you know, it's not him. He's he's quoting people that were that he was raised with, and you know, especially this one colorful character who liked to cuss a lot. Well, it's, so, but he has to go ahead. But he has to, but he has to read. By the way, I played these these clips to uh, Andrew Grummet, <laughs> who says that and who read the book, and he says, oh, he's and he he apparently. He says there's choicer material in there. If we get a hold <laughs> of the MP3, the, we get the audio. We can yeah. pull out these uh, clips, and we it's, and they're all quite funny. And because, but as Obama, you know, in this, in the case of the, these these profanities, he's there was one character that he keeps quoting, uh, and of course taken out of context, which we're doing. Yes, uh, they're <laughs> quite <laughs> humorous, I mean, ignorant motherfuckers like you. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the better ones, I think. But, well, uh, well, it, but it ties right into uh, my uh, Tom Swift audiobooks because now I don't feel bad about uh, about doing the the accent as intended in the book. Uh, I think you should. Yeah, <laughs> bitch, nigga. Where my bitch, nigga. <laughs> would it be cool if you just stood? You know, now, now this would this would really make my head f- twist and turn and flip around if he on one of his C-SPAN morning shows the president got up there and said, "Listen." This bitch has got to pass. <laughs> Come on, motherfuckers, get some, get some going. Now, then I would be like, okay, there yeah. is hope. Well, I then, think then, I, pretty, then I would have hope. Yeah, you would, but th- th- that's not going to happen. I don't think Obama, even in his own circles, speaks like uh, that. Speaks like that. I think. I, I think both. But and everybody kind of says this. What you, what you see with this guy, the way he's, you know, he's very. Uh, he pauses a lot and he says, um, yeah, because he, he has goes, to read the next line. Look, look, and, listen. Uh, and he's thought, he appears thoughtful. He's not a guy who, you know, I know a lot of black people who, you know, can, they kind of drop into when they're around their, their buddies, you know, their fishing buddies, they, they kind of, Drop into a slang Dude, style. Of course it does. And and when I'm hanging out with black people, then I also get. When I was with, hanging out with Kevin Epson and his whole crew, it's automatic. It's normal. And, you know. Then you just start. You, you even can use the N word in that situation. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. So um, anyway, that's the uh, Kevin Epps thought it was pretty funny. Of course we were. Well, we I, were if you did it right, I suppose yeah, you get it. Yeah, right. we were also all pretty hammered, so kind of worked no, that out that way. Probably helps, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, the uh, <laughs> so those clips uh, are probably going to go around. You know, I think they've already been turned into a couple of rap songs. Oh and, yeah, oh perfect. Yeah, that's got to be sampled. Yeah. And oh yes, yeah, beautiful. There, that was sampled. In fact, the, the other thing which we don't have a clip of here, but we, you know, I hate, I hate to even play it because it's so profane. Is the Christian Bale? Uh, oh, I, post- oh, that's fantastic. I love that. What a dick. We posted that on Cage Match, which you can go to at cagematch.dvorak.org. And um, we posted it there. I, I didn't want to post it on the blog because I, I just think it's so completely out of line that, you know, I just didn't want to. I, well, I don't want to hear it again. I mean, it was this guy. It sounded like a psycho going ballistic, yeah, well, which is the know. interesting part. But, it's, but the amount of. Vitriol. I mean, this guy has got some issues. So the people who don't know what we're talking about, if you haven't heard about it by now, because, of course, this is the news that everyone talks about. Even my 
compatriot, uh, John C. Dvorak, seems to be consumed by it. Uh, Christian Bale was on the set of Terminator, the new Terminator movie. Yeah. And uh, someone walks into the shot or... No, there, it was behind the scenes. It was in his eye. It was in his eye line. Right, right. Yeah, he was just walking around, yeah. and the guy just goes off. <laughs> goes off. And the joke of it is, I love reading the comments on some of these websites because people defend him. Well, you know, he's a serious actor, and he was in the mood, and that he lost it. He oh. lost the sense of himself. Yeah. And somebody else says, yeah. "Hey, dude, this is Terminator. What kind of what is what? This is not, you not know, yes, King it's, Lear. It's not Shakespeare." <laughs> God. All you have to say is, I'll be back. Hey, people in the chat room are even saying the same thing, John. Well, maybe he was in character. Oh, please. He's just an asshole. There are assholes in the <laughs> yeah, world, you yeah, know? Space reality. Yeah, yeah there, there are assholes. And, and this guy sounds like a... The, go ahead. The guy's not that great of an actor. Well, I haven't seen him enough of his work. But, you know, if you think Entourage is just a joke, no. it's That's the way it is. Hollywood is just one big asshole community. Yeah. And people on top kick the people. It's just the way it works, you know. That's why they get along so well with uh, Washington. You just have show business for pretty people and show business for ugly people. And they're all assholes. Of course, individually, they're not always, but you know what I mean. Yeah, a lot of them are still. Yeah. I mean, you can get along with a few of them. <laughs> in limited quantities. Yeah, in limited quantities, as long as you have, uh, you know, something more sensible. So I've been thinking about this uh, smart grid that we're going to spend all this money on. And uh, you and I actually, when, when we first looked at the, uh, at the president's economic recovery, what was it, kind of uh, blueprint before uh, it became whatever, the, whatever it is at this moment, because I'm sure it's still being worked on, um, there was all this talk about a smart grid. And... You know, and, and and I think you and I both agreed, you know, that's what do we need to do, you know, spend all this billion, it was like, like 90 billion or 100 billion dollars on, on the smart grid. And I got, uh, I got some feedback from engineers mainly who say, well, you know, our grid really sucks and, you know, there's much more efficient ways of transporting, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Now I know what the smart grid is. The smart grid, and I believe MIT has a, has a part in this. If you look, and this is coming from the conspiracy circles, but it sounds, I haven't done all the research yet, but it sounds right on. The smart grid means that they will actually be able to tell you or perhaps even control your heating and your lights and know exactly how much you're using per device. And I believe will be used <laughs> against us to say, you know, hey, no heat for you, Dvorak. And it gets shut down. That's oh, what that's... you said something bad about Mary Shapiro? Hey. <laughs> Yeah. What do you think about 40 degrees yeah. in your house, punk? <laughs> and oops, there goes your router. <laughs> I mean, it, what else could a smart grid mean? Doesn't that just sound Death Star to you, man? Smart grid? I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Crackpot and the buzzkill. Yeah, we got to get those jingles going. I have to. I'm writing them. I'll write them this weekend. I told you if you'd uh, write them, I'd get them produced. That, yeah, that no, we'll get them deal. produced. I'll, I'll do it. That I got a couple of ideas. Hey, big shout out to uh, our listeners down under, uh, some of uh, whom are burning literally. Australia is just a mess, or at least uh, I believe Victoria. Oh, really? What's going on? Oh man, it's like 46 degrees. The the, the shit's on fire. The towns are literally just burning up because of the heat. <laughs> 
I'm not, 46, not kidding, man. You haven't looked at this? centigrade is what Fahrenheit? Let's ask Google. No, well, yeah, you, ask, you could ask. It's amazing. Yeah. Google doesn't have say, the answer How that. much is 46 degrees Celsius? And I get the conversion. Oh, wait a minute. I'll just say in Fahrenheit. 105 is 41. That's 114.8 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. 115, 115 degrees. Shit is, is igniting spontaneously. You know, it's 115 in Phoenix all the time. These people are just not used to it. Right. No, of course they're not. By but the way, that, have you ever been in Phoenix when it's 115? Yeah, you want to kill yourself. You you want to put on a Leonard Cohen record and drag the toaster into the bathtub. It's just it's horrible. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's a dry heat. Mm. But anyway, what, what, what's weird about it, and people who it's like the worst experience getting in and out of your car. Oh yeah. Because the, yeah, the car see. steering wheel becomes red hot, and the seats become red hot. If you leave the car out outside in the open, which you have to do because there's not a lot of overhangs anywhere in Phoenix. It's just a big giant strip mall. Hmm. And so you leave your car out to run inside to do something, and within five or ten minutes, the car is so hot inside, it's unbelievable, and you've left the windows open. And so you you have to reach into the car and turn it on, hoping not to touch, especially the back, the bottom part of your arm, forearm, and touch the steering wheel. You get a burn, Right on the arm. Yeah. You got to reach in and you got to start the engine and turn on the air conditioner and let it run for about five or ten minutes before you get in and it's still hot. Yeah. What a life. And you have to move the dead carcass of your dog to the side. <laughs> before you can, if you had a dog, he's dead for sure. Before, before you can actually uh, drive. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel bad, man, because we've got a lot of listeners in Australia. Because those, well, those, those guys are under fire. Through. They're under fire. Literally, literally so the, This is the middle of summer for them. So I guess this is like July for us. Can I just so, bitch uh, about our, um, our president a little bit more? Well, since we're on the weather, I was going to ask you about the snow over there. But, yeah, oh, go ahead. Well, bitch no, about no let, let me do the snow. That's a good one because, yeah, that is kind of fun. Yeah, Mimi, last time we did the show on Thursday, Mimi says to me, did you, did you ask him about the snow? Because we have a friend out yeah, in Yeah, I told you about the snow cock the kids built, didn't I? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, they they were out there for four and a half hours, and they said, Dad, Dad, Dad. Well, my daughter and her boyfriend. And then they said, come look what we built. And they built like a, a five-foot penis, erect penis, out of snow right in front of the... I, I, put, I sent you a picture. I didn't get the picture. Uh, it's on my Flickr site. And uh, It's disgusting. Well, it was there for three days. By the second day, one of the neighbors had thrown a plastic bag over the head, which made it even funnier. <laughs> which made it even funnier. That is funny. And, uh, now, that's funny. Yeah, I think I got good neighbors. I do. Now, you'll see. You'll um, see when there's a brick in the window. So Zurich is uh, is laughing. Hold on. I'm looking at the Financial Times, the weekend edition. Uh, now, Zurich is laughing because, you know, Zurich is also a financial center, and uh, London, you know, basically just shut down for uh, certainly for two full days. And now the northern part of the country, starting at Wales and going up north, uh, Wales is to the west, of course, but that kind of that line uh, where Wales starts has had in some places up to half a meter of snow. Um, and and all these councils and municipalities have run out of grit. So there's, you know, and of right. course, and, it, and everything starts to melt and then it, it, it freezes up. Now, right now, it's a minus two centigrade here in London. 
So it freezes up, and then you can't drive on them because they have nothing to... Right, it's a mess. Now, my, our friends mess. out in Cornwall, and I don't know if you've been out there, but, you know, they don't... They I try don't to avoid it. I try to avoid Cornwall. There's not... They have these walled roads. There's no... It's just like a one-lane road with walls. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you, that's impossible to navigate right now. It's impossible. So no, they they had these plows that came through, but they're not the kind of plows with a V. They're just a push plow. So they push, push, <laughs> push, 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 and then there's just this huge ten foot high pile of snow at the end of this 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 narrow you know walled road. So anybody going out, they. <laughs> <laughs> dead ends, and then you can't get out. You can't get out of you can't get out of your own driveway. They've they've plowed those up. What 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 drives me nuts though? You sent me a link about this the day before I left San Francisco. We knew this four days ahead of time that this was coming. We knew it would hit. We knew it would hit London, and these idiots who call themselves politicians did absolutely nothing. The first thing they should have the prime minister should have hit television on uh, Sunday morning or Monday morning and said, "Stay home." State of emergency. Just stay home. It makes no sense. Don't try to go. They had to rescue hundreds of people from the motorway who were stuck in their cars overnight. I mean, it's complete disregard for the public because guess what? Your government doesn't actually love you. Well, I don't know about that. I think it's just incompetence. I think you're mixing up the two. You know, negligence and competence are kind of different. Jeremy Clarkson's in trouble. Our... our, uh Typical English bloke from uh, Top Gear. He was in Australia, and and this which I, one is that? Is that the is that the big the big tall guy? Yeah, the Ophi guy. Who the uh, blowhard? Yeah, the blowhard. Exactly. Yeah. But I love him because he's a, because oh, he's, he's the, the best blowhard. guy. He carries the show. Yeah, he carries the show. And you know he has his column, his weekly column, and right now they're on some form of a road show, and they were down in Australia and doing a press conference, and. Uh, Clarkson, someone, uh, I think they asked something about the Prime Minister of Australia, and Clarkson said, well, we've got our own one-eyed Scottish idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and what I didn't know is that Gordon Brown apparently is blind in one eye. Oh, no. So, of course, uh, you know. So yeah, every one-eyed guy in the Yeah, Indian's they all got fucking now. pissed off, all the medical people, all the handicapped people, everyone's like, Ooh. so he apologized for it. Um and you know, again, the, it goes. Well, should we? Uh, should he be let go? And should we be fired? Oh, because they want total control of the airwaves. Because you know, it's a little harder to put uh, the BBC in the government here um, more than they are. Like GE is in the government now in the U.S. Um, they, all, you know, they all uh, they're they're trying to get the Freedom of Information Act. They're trying to find out how much the top radio presenters are paid, and the BBC refuses to tell anyone. You know what the total budget is, annual budget for BBC Radio? No. 460 million pounds. Wow. It's like $600 million for what? For radio? For, yeah, for some stations. Huh. Seems a little high. And 70% of their salaries goes to the top people, to the presenters. Huh. It sounds like a good business. Hell yeah. So I'm a little pissed off at the president uh, because I did have hope for um, for change. Oh, please. When it came to um, medicinal marijuana. Oh, yeah. Well, you listen, wait, let me stop that. I don't know anything about what you're going to talk about, but let me give you my pre-take. Okay. I'm going to call it Dvorak's pre-take. We can get a Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, we should do that. It's a Dvorak's pre-take. Puskel. In the morning. So uh, something like that. So it, 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 here it is. Obama is a uh, a liberal Democrat by every stretch of the imagination. You know, I mean, just by the numbers. 
and we all know that. And he represents uh, the probably the group of people that would like to see medical marijuana more widely used, and probably maybe even want marijuana uh, legalized in this country because it is it's, uh, you know problematic. I think I have thoughts on this, but again, because of the Mexican thing and all these these problems. So so Obama is probably moving this this agenda forward. Uh, and I would suspect probably by the next couple of years, uh, marijuana will be uh, decriminalized. Well, I think you are entirely wrong, incorrect, because just look at what's happening around you. They're removing coffee shops from Amsterdam. Uh, marijuana has been upgraded from a C-class to a B-class drug, now on par with heroin and cocaine in uh, in the United Kingdom. I disagree with you. And what's happening in the United States, you know, um, medicinal marijuana is legal in the state of California. Um, however, the uh, the Bush administration uh, put into force some kind of trickery, uh, whereas they could overrule the state's um, uh, local laws if there was some national reason. So the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, has been raiding uh, medicinal marijuana shops for, uh, well, for two years now in California. And the president. Well, that, wait, wait, let me guess. Let me guess. Obama's put a stop to it. Well, he, what a stop to the raids. Yeah, he would because that's that's him. That's what he would do. Right. Well, Drug Enforcement Administration agents this week raided four med- medical marijuana shops in California, contrary to President Obama's campaign promises to stop the raids. Now this pisses me off. I mean, you know, because on that list of promises, he promised to stop the raids. Yes. No, he, he, no, 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 he, he, because he, because he's, here we go. I'm not, here's what he said. Here's what he said. I don't believe this story. (laughs) Yeah, sure. It's in the Washington Times. The president believes, here's the quote. The president believes that federal resources should not be used to circumvent state laws. And as he continues to appoint senior leadership to fill out the ranks of the federal government, he expects them to review their policies with that in mind. Medical use of marijuana is legal under the law in California and a dozen other states, but the federal government under President Bush, bolstered by a 2005 Supreme Court ruling, argued that federal interests trumped state law. And it's still happening as of this week. Eh, it'll end. I'm sure it's a mistake. Well, let me give you another piece of data then. Because uh, the person who's going to be, who's not going to fulfill your prophecy is, of course, Holder, the uh, former lobbyist who is now Attorney General. Oops, he'll have to recuse himself, I guess. A lobbyist, ladies and gentlemen, a lobbyist is the Attorney General of the United States of America. After that whole. How can that be? Wait a minute. I was under the impression that Obama wasn't going to put lobbyists in. Are you just, are you just playing this game because you think it sounds better? Or is that the way we we should do it that way? Like, you're dumb because you're not. I'm just stunned. Uh, A bipartisan group of 16 members of Congress sent a letter Thursday to Attorney General Eric Holder urging him to allow the University of Massachusetts to grow its own marijuana for medical research. They're not they're not allowed to. Sorry, what? Let me get the story straight. Dude, give us give me that one. again. Okay, so well, well, let me let me. So the story is that the University of Massachusetts wants to grow their own marijuana for research. 
into its medicinal properties. And this is being blocked. It's been blocked. It's the same thing as the grow shops. The DEA is refusing this or not allowing this to happen. And now they're writing to um, Holder, and he's not going to do anything. Well, you don't know that. (sighs) I'm just saying. It just doesn't sound right. I mean, Obama's supposed to be... Uh... That's where this quote came from. Hmm. The uh... Well, it doesn't sound good. No, of course not, because, well, it's amazing. It's just amazing the shit that is allowed uh, compared to the stuff that isn't allowed. Well, the, the thing that gets me is that this kind of thing is going on, you know, right under everybody's noses. And no one's and outraged there's... but us. Nobody's outraged, but maybe you, me, and a few people that listen to us Mm -hmm. uh, who may or may not, you know, be outraged if it wasn't for us. You don't know. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the end of it. And then meanwhile, the Obama bots, which are all over the place, are still thinking this is the greatest thing ever happened to the country. Yeah. In fact, they have jingles and tunes they've written. They had that beautiful actress on Jonathan Ross last night. Uh, She's in uh, Pushing Up Daisies. <clears throat> the TV series. I don't know if you, yeah. I, I watched it once and I couldn't get through it. I, I don't like the premise. Uh, she's an yeah. English actress, and she was also in. Goddamn, she was in some good stuff. Chat room, help me out. Um, anyway, so beautiful, beautiful young woman, just stunning, and um, and she, you know she lives half the time in L.A. because she has a lot of work in Hollywood, and half the time in London. And she says, well, yeah, it was, and she's a complete Obama bot. It showed exactly what Hollywood is about. And she's like, it was such a wonderful feeling. Everyone, that day when, uh, when he was nominated, and then we all knew that he was going to be president. And since then, it's just been a glorious feeling. We all feel the change. And I, I, my mouth, my jaw went, <laughs> unbelievable. The prettiest chicks, man. They get the beautiful women. They get there. I think it's actually blondes. Are, are easier to hypnotize if you look at um, statistics. And I've been thinking a lot about this because we are under a, a form of hypnosis uh, brought on primarily by, well, or sustained primarily, I would say, by celebrity cult of personality type culture. And we're, we are hypnotized. We're, we're more anesthetized than ever due to drugs that we're all taking, apparently. If it's not to make your penis big for hours, it's, you know, to make you sleep better or feel better or whatever. So we're, we're literally drugged and we're hypnotized. Ah, uh, Kristen Chenoweth. Oh, thank you. Gosh, she'll be. She has a big No, no, head. Anna, Anna Friel is who it was. Anna Friel. Anna Friel. F-R-E-I-L. So thank they you. have two different uh, blondes Anna, on that show? Anna Friel. Maybe she has dark hair in the show. Uh, Richard Drake just gave me that in the chat. Thanks. Um, Anna Friel has n- naturally dark hair, dark so hair. she's not a blonde. Okay. Well, well, then then the system's even better than I thought. Oh yeah, I've seen this girl before. She's Stunning. a very pretty British very pretty, woman. Very pretty. So the, so their system is even better than I thought. And and I consider myself when I look back on my life, of which I've had some now. I, I'm a visionary, and that doesn't mean like oh you know I can see in the future, but I, actually I do, and and it's accelerating. Let me give you an example. So the, no, you're seeing this, it's all fractals. It's well, yes, it's absolutely fractals, uh, and, and maybe it's just my uh, maybe I have a, an above normal fractal recognition capability. But now, I'm, thanks to you, actually, I'm starting to put that into perspective. But you know, I, I saw what the internet could be, and I acted upon it. I saw what online video could be. Uh, I saw the the capabilities of uh, of online radio. 
Um, you know, so that there's there's so many different things that I've seen, but it started to accelerate. At first, I was ten years ahead, then I was five years ahead, then I was kind of this last venture, really three years ahead of of all of this alternative media popping with with video and audio and ways to monetize that. <clears throat> But now I'm seeing so clearly what is taking place around us, um, which a lot of people, oh, this is the awakening and yeah, bullshit. Here's what it is. So, well, <laughs> the age no, of Aquarius. Yeah, the well, age. no, there's a, there's, there's a lot to that as well, but that's a separate topic. Is coming. No, 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 no. That's not where I'm going with this. I'm just gigging. Where I'm going with it is. A hypnotist will put in a keyword often, you know, and it's or, you know, when I count to three and I say, wake up, you're going to wake up, you won't remember any of this. But but he actually can wake people up and he can bring them back down under. I mean, that's not trickery. That This, this is for real. Right. You, you've seen hypnotists, John. They do it, right? It'll appear so. Hedge, you hedge fund, you. Um, so I now know why I can see things so clearly. I figured it out. I, I have my trick, and it's something that everyone can do, and it will help you see the true evil nature of the true rulers of the earth around us and what they're doing. And it's the rose-colored glasses, John. I figured it out. Because when you wear rose-colored glasses, as I have for... Oh, this is very interesting. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there because I have to mention to the people out there that because I don't think anybody knows this, but you actually wear... Rose colored is going to be the, the the the. I could just see some chat rooms lighting up on this crackpot. And you the buzz actually kill. wear rose colored glasses, and there's always a lot of references in the literature about seeing things through rose colored yes. glasses. Yes, in fact, it started around 1871, I believe. I think it was a politician who was accused of seeing nothing but rose colored. You know, uh, seeing everything through rose colored glasses. We should look up the. Um, Etymology, yeah. Is that etymology or is that uh, phraseology? Well, could be either. Well, you look that up. Uh, take a look at the link I sent you, meanwhile. Okay. Um, but here's what I wanted to say. Hold on, let me take the link. Oh, but she has really long, curly hair. She was wearing a wig, probably. Uh, yeah, Jonathan probably. Ross, but stunning. Beautiful, oh, long legs, just... Blah, 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 blah. She, she... No, I won't go there. Anyway. It's not wearing the rose-colored glasses. It's when you take them off. That's when you can see it. Because the whole world for me is, is nice There's a couple of science rosy. fiction stories like this, by the way. Really? Well, it's nice, and, it's, and, and, you know, and, and I, I wear them almost all the time. But I take them off, and I've noted, and I, and I started to think, what do I, what is, how does this really tie in? Can I corroborate this? I usually take my glasses off in meetings. And, then, and, and, and honestly... I feel very comfortable doing that for two reasons. One, because I can look someone in the eye and I can't see their face because I, I need glasses. And for some reason, it, it, it puts me more in tune with my thoughts and I'm listening more than I'm looking, although I'm sure I can get a lot of cues from looking. Um, but still, it gives me, and it's even better, of course, if I put on non-rose-colored glasses to actually see the room, then you see the ugliness of what's actually taking place. So it's almost like I've I've oversensitized myself to groovy to a groovy shade, groovy colors, and I take it off, and then boom! Then all of a sudden, all the real crud is much more visible. <laughs> and I, and I'm and I would suggest I'm going to start selling crackpot rose-colored glasses, and they'll be nine ninety-five, and they will have blue blocker capability. You need that, but I'm thinking this is the way to. Could you imagine 
droves of people wearing rose-colored glasses, and the scariest <laughs> thing is not when they have them on, but when they take them off, because then you know they can see right through you. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I like the I like the the idea. Thank you. And you are actually a, you are a, a, a kind of a definitely a crackpot visionary. Right. Um, but visionary in the sense of you know, I'm not brilliant. It's just I, I no, look no, at it's something. Just that you have, you're a little ahead of your time. Just enough yeah. ahead of your time to do well. If you're too far ahead of your time, then you, you can never exactly, exactly. And and I've and I've been. I've, you're I'm right. always reminded of, of the guy who's. Uh, who was, uh, was an interesting character because he was always so far ahead of his time, is uh, Tim O'Reilly of O'Reilly Media, mm-hmm. O'Reilly Publishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Besides coming up with his book company, he came up, he was on the World Wide Web. Uh, he was on the well action. days, right, back in the days of the yeah, well. Yeah, he yeah. caught the World Wide Web action immediately when it first was introduced and thought it was going to be the biggest thing ever because I, I had him on my radio show back in 93 and 94, and he was going on and on like crazy. And then he did the Global Network Navigator. Which oh, was GNN. Of course, I remember which that. Was that, a, was a, which, that was a that was a um, it was a book, but it wasn't also a, uh, a, go, a, a gopher it site. It was a it was something between a browser and a uh, a, a, a portal. It was actually probably the first portal. And uh, yeah. anyway, so he had that, and he sold that I think to AOL or CompuServe or somebody like that. And yeah. he was kind of in on the whole thing, saw everything coming, knew where it was headed, got in, got his global navigator thing started, and then was out onto something else before the internet ever hit. It was yeah. it was hilarious. I mean, if he had done all that stuff five years later. Like in the late '90s, when the when yeah. you were just they were throwing money at everybody. Uh-huh. I mean, it wouldn't have even been funny how much he'd been worth. Yeah. Well, that, so yeah, that's. Um, he, I, I don't want to say I'm Tim O'Reilly, but I do look at something like the internet, and then it just it draws me like a magnet. And and yeah, and, no, I, and I've always been a little bit on the early side, so I've never made silly, stupid billions of dollars. I've done quite okay for myself, and most of it with actual work, uh, which work is, helps. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just, I'm not one of those guys who creates phony companies that are based upon evaluation that has nothing to do with with making money. If if a company well, doesn't that, make money, it's no good to me. Yeah, well, that that model's not working if you haven't noticed right now because they don't have any IPOs because of Sarbanes Oxley, which right. is put in place to screw things up, just like the interest rate deal. Exactly. And uh, the wonderful state of California, besides not handing out uh, tax refund checks, now. Um, what was it? They had the day off. They closed everything on. Uh, yeah. Was it Monday? Uh, I think it was Friday. Friday. Was it, Friday? it was Friday. Oh, yeah, Friday. Yeah, yeah. DMV closed. Schwarzenegger's emergency services offices was closed. Two hundred thousand state employees forced to take the day off. Turn down your your speakers a little bit, John. I'm getting some oh, sorry. feedback. Um, and this, what do they call it? Furlough? Is that what they call it? Furlough. Yeah, that's a good one. $42 billion budget shortfall. See, what people don't understand is that when there's no money, you know, guess what? It actually happens that there's no money. And when there's no money, then, then, well, this is the danger. I'm, you know, yes, we have hundreds of thousands of state employees who are in deep shit. They're already making less money and they've had all kinds of cuts and they're going to get laid off. And, but when the welfare checks don't come because there's just no money, that's when there is a panic. And all I hear is, <clears throat> I see Schwarzenegger, I see him saying, state of emergency, hello, hello, help, help, we're messed up, it's, it's, you know, it's, we're going down the tubes here, there's no one talking about it, there's no talk of lifelines, there's 40 other states that are in the same position. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, California's in bad shape. They're stopping projects, and they, uh, you know, they they're losing thirty two million dollars a day on unemployment benefits. Well, but but they're going to have to cut you know, that. Wouldn't, probably wouldn't hurt if the state was more pro business than it actually is. Mm. Um, hey, by the way, talking about, uh, I just something came to mind. If you don't mind me changing the subject, I'll go for it. So Bill Gates goes down to Long Beach with a box full of mosquitoes and releases them. I knew you were going to do this. This is the TED Talk, right? There's viol- we have multiple violations of state and federal laws here. You cannot import into California disease vectors. Well, first, of, first of all, okay, so here's what happened. On one of those TED Talks, if you've never seen them, go to TED.com, and you can see Bill Gates doing this, and I watched it because I knew – I think you sent me an email about it, so I knew you were going to bring it up. And he's uh, talking about malaria, and he says, uh, well, let me just show you, you know, uh, it, hundreds of millions of people dying until uh, we discovered it was uh, mosquitoes that were passing it around. And I brought some with me, and he opens up a canister, and you can't really see it on the video, but apparently there's mosquitoes that then start to fly around. So are you really believing that, A, these were imported mosquitoes, and, B, that they were possibly infected with malaria? No, I don't think they had malaria, but the mosquitoes have something like 50 uh, or more. I have a list uh, that was sent to me by somebody who's actually filed complaints with the CDC, the uh, California Department of Agriculture, and two or three other agencies which which control this sort of activity. You're not supposed to do this, especially in California, an agricultural state where we don't want people bringing these flies. kinds of it. Fruit flies. Well, whatever. Yeah. And... Um, so he just callously does it as a gag. Yeah, and I want to see what happens because it seems to me that there's a uh, he needs a he, there's a fine involved here, and they might as well fine a guy who's got plenty of money. But I'd like to see what what comes of this. But, so, so but he, it hasn't. He, but I've been watching all these news stories, and nobody brings this up. Yeah. Well, this, it's so like hello. The punchline. Uh, the reason he opened this up, and then the punchline was, uh, I, I there's no reason only poor people should get it. You know, so it was a quasi threat. Well, of course, he's nothing will happen because it's like Martha Stewart. You know, the true evil people never get punished. And I have really put my doubts uh, next to Bill Gates's name with his uh, foundation. Store and seeds. Going to live well, in Paraguay with the bushes. Yeah, so let's go talk about that. So uh, I guess the uh, we, we, we got one of our listeners is in Paraguay. Let me uh, bring up his name so we can ID him. Go ahead. And he sent uh, some note about something or other. And uh, we went back and forth with him, mainly because I'd love to go to Paraguay just to, you know, check it out. Christian, Benitez, sure Christian Benitez. Yeah, this has got to be very picturesque. Hey, man, you're breaking up. What the hell is that fucking router? No, I think so. Mm. Anyway, let me get back on track and see if we can start over. Anyway, so this guy is... Uh, he mentions that the Bushes have, you know, because we all know that the Bushes have bought land down there because it came up in the conversation sometime last year as a, you know, as though there was going to be a revolution in the United States and they were going to go to Paraguay to, to to live. But it turns out they're just, they actually bought an investment. They they own like most of the aquifer. Yeah, El Aquifer Gurani, the biggest water reservation in Paraguay. So they basically have bought a a well. They basically pulled like you know the movie Chinatown. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I don't know. Every- have I got an investment for you? 
Yeah, every day you slip over to the dark side. I like it. Anyway, so I found that amusing. Um, FEMA food kits may contain tainted peanut butter. <laughs> that's from CNN. Well, that's a good one. Yeah, let me just see what the, uh, give you the whole story. Food kits recently distributed as part of disaster relief effort in Kentucky and Arkansas, which, uh, in case you didn't know, there's some bad shit going down there, too, may contain peanut butter contaminated with salmonella linked to a nationwide outbreak, the Federal Emergency Management Agency said Wednesday. Commercial meals kits manufactured by Red Cloud Food Services, ugh, under the Standing Rock label, that's, what a joke that is. Have been provided provided to disaster survivors in impacted communities, and these kits may contain peanut butter, which is part of the precautionary precautionary. People are dying. Precautionary national recall underway in accordance with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, FEMA said in a written statement. So, as the CEO of the company that made all this, has he been hanged yet? Has he has he been has shot? he been arrested? You know, it's has he been uh, arrested. Is he going to go to jail? You don't hear about that, do you? What's Never. A, it's a, it's a peanut corp of is it peanut corp of, of America? Uh, it's peanut grinders of no, no, Georgia. No. So I don't know who they are. I can't remember. Well, this is part of the problem. It's Here not part of the yeah, problem. Peanut. Part of the problem is that the media is not covering. You know, they're not outraged enough. I mean, everyone gets all carried away by, well, let's do the recalls, but nobody says, what about this? The CEO and the then the executives who made the decision to keep producing. Crappy peanut butter that ended up killing people. How come they're not in jail? I'm looking at the. Uh, I'm doing a Google news search. Stuart Parnell. Madoff's not in jail. Well, here it How is. How come Martha Stewart went to jail? Because they were not in the game. That's the whole. That is the whole point. We're not in the game. We are the ones that are going to have the smart grid blanketed over us, and we become fucking batteries for these people. <laughs> Batteries, just all we are, and and batteries have a certain shelf life, and then it's done. Here we go. This, this is the guy. We, then there, that's a possibility for a T-shirt. <laughs> I'm a battery. I'm a battery. <laughs> I'm a battery for the new world order. I'm a battery for the new world order. Good, I like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's a, that's, or, yeah, no, no, no. Just make it official battery for the new world order, and on the back or on the front, you have a you know you you draw like a battery, like a like a double A battery with uh, the top that's at near your neck, right, and the bottom. They just have a fucking battery with <laughs> connect here. <laughs> uh, so this guy's name is. Hold on. We might as well shame him. We might as well shame him, John. CEO. What not found? Hey, this is weird. Stuart Parnell, owner and president. Let me Google his name. Stuart Parnell, owner and president of Peanut Corp of America. You know this guy just walking around. You know he's just free. Even though the FDA, the FDA says that he knowingly, knowingly this company sold the tainted shit. Knowingly. Unbelievable. Lynchburg News. Okay, this, this is local, which of course is much better. Um, Lynchburg Company makes few comments about outbreak. Peanut Corporation of America was founded in 1976 by Stuart Parnell and his father, Hugh, who has since retired but remains in the area. 
Most recent statement, January 13th, Parnell said, We understand the seriousness of the situation that our company faces with the current product recall crisis, and we deeply regret that these circumstances are causing distress to our customers, our employees, and our customers, uh, consumers. Jesus. So your answer is he's just hanging out? Yeah, figures. It's sad. So what other... what other depressing news do we have for the public? Well, actually, I I, I wanted to because you said that you know the last show I ended on such a downer. I actually feel really good because I feel that um, oh yeah, and, um, I want to make a, a a short-term prediction. I believe that Monday we're going to witness a significant shift in the markets. Uh, this will come right along with this bill being passed, but I believe probably. The 13th, I, I may just be right. I, I didn't think I was going to make it. I think we will see a massive, massive crash around the 13th of February. And it's all coming together simultaneously. And um, it's all orchestrated in my mind. Well, let's see. We're so, doing a show but, but wait, but wait, wait. So let me finish the thought. So this means that all the things that we've been talking about, or certainly that... We've been talking about together for over a year now, John, episode number 70, and what I've been doing for even longer on the daily source code. You know, so now now watch our numbers go up, because people are going to start saying, shit, you know, these guys were right, you should go listen to them. And it's really, it's not the dawning of the age of Aquarius, but so now we got to hunker down. And we're all going to be pretty much equal, because your money's going to be worth shit, at least for a while. My money, your money, anybody's money. While they, you have gold. Well, yes, I do have gold, so I'm going to be okay. But I'm not going to. I don't have all my money in gold. You know, it just can't. So, all right. Well, I'm not convinced there's going to be some sort of a crash on the 13th. But let's maybe if there's a hopefully it won't go below that November 20 number. But uh, let's assume if, if the, the, that would be the probably the, the launch point for the economy to go up. No, I think I think we're in too deep a hole. But, you know, so what? What the, the so the British model that is that the that the U.S. is now following. You know, if, all things being equal, if I were to recommend any way out of this, uh, the idea of a bad bank is probably the closest thing to not nationalizing, but you know, making something happen. Oh, and by the way, no longer offering free money through the Federal Reserve. Um, that would probably be a way to go. But now they're choosing the British model following the one-eyed Scottish idiot, um, according to Jeremy Clarkson, which is uh, become an insurer for uh, the banks. Now, if you follow synthetic credit default options, which is more nothingness on a, on a spreadsheet, this is trilli- maybe $100 trillion dollars worth of shit so if a bank goes out of business all this stuff is going to have to start coming it's really going to have to unravel because the same people who got us into this will once again be standing there with their hand saying where's my money and the taxpayers will be on the hook for this right which really happen, especially with all those you right, these credit default swaps still out there and there's lots of them and, they, and then nobody knows what they're valued at because it's an unregulated Sub industry. Yeah, well, I've heard forty. The to banks 40, that are holding these things, or anybody holding them, they should just go bankrupt. 
Well, so that I think that's the the problem. There is then every everything unwinds in the same way, with the only difference being yes, if you just let them go bankrupt. And I'll say it again that capitalism without bankruptcy is like religion without hell. Then we would go through some serious deep shit times, but nothing compared to also being publicly liable and have to pay pay people back. I mean, that will really decimate everything. And so I think that, that when you when I hear you say, well, this is interesting or this is a little bit different and it's never quite been seen this way, that's that's what is different about this and why I don't think. I don't think your cycle, you know, I think your cycle is just coming a little bit earlier than you believe it's coming. Yeah, I'm not buying that yet necessarily, but it's possible. But again, the one thing that's interesting about studying all these cycles is that every time something happens, every time there's an economic uh, downturn that, that is major and important, it always takes a different form. You know, I mean, the last time we had a really bad situation was in the 70s where we had something out of the blue. Nobody had ever seen it before. Nobody even knew what to call it. And they finally invented the term stagflation. Right. Because it didn't make any sense. But with 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 old fashioned economic analysis that this would this possibility would exist, which is that you have no interest in anybody buying anything. But prices are going up. Yep. How do you do that? How does that how does that work? It made no sense. That brought in Milton Friedman, who explained it with his supply side stuff. But now his you know, that doesn't explain what's going on now. And there'll be another new famous economist that'll crop up. He's probably they always tend to be older and they die during the era of their uh, theory uh, peaking, which would happen with Friedman. And, and it happened to the guy before him and Keynes. And you can go back to R- Ricardo and everybody in between. And um and go back to Karl Marx. He was also in, instrumental in the 1850s, 60s. Right. Well, it's, but it's era. mainly the uh, the Chicago School of Economics. Those are the guys well, that, that, that... That was kind of running things currently. But there'll be a new guy cropping up with a great explanation for everything. There'll be an older guy. He'll die probably 15 years from now. And it, it'll make sense. Uh, but we haven't seen the whole thing shake out yet to, to for anyone to, to deconstruct it. So we're still in the holding pattern here. I'm... Uh, confident based on my studies that we should have a still have at least a two-year boom um and a modeling looking at the way it unfolded in 1890 that's kind of what i'm thinking i'm hoping i have to go look at that well 1890 a lot of that's that well so this is why i'm so positive because in around 1890, that's when we had Tesla, that's when we had Edison, that's when we had a whole bunch of really amazing people come up with amazing shit. If only this time around we can protect them so the next generation doesn't have to go through, well, not have to go through a hundred years of stifling of real innovation and human prosperity and using our brains in more ways than one, i.e. not being batteries. We have those same kind of people today. We've got Bill Gates, Scott McNeely. Um, <clears throat> John Doerr. Okay, go ahead. K- 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 I'm sorry. That's, a, no, that's okay. I, you know, I was I'm just, trying to be funny here, but I couldn't come up with enough silly no, names. No, I understand what you're saying, but I I appreciate it. I I I've uh, opened up all the boxes. I for my bookcase is finally in, and I was uh, you know I I I love books. If you ever want to give me a present, just give me a book. Um, and so I keep books, the ones that I like the most. And I have one here from 19... When did this... When was this given to me? Well, anyway, it was given to me uh, by a senior 
banker at Bankers Trust because we were doing a, a derivatives trading system for them, and it's called Understanding Swaps. Ooh. And it's a fantastic, you know, it's just, I love reading this book again. You know, Maybe those two women from the SEC should have read that book. <laughs> you know, no other market is, chapter one, no other market in financial history has grown as rapidly or evolved as quickly as the swaps markets. From 1979, yeah, their initial inception, 1979, notional principal outstandings have grown from virtually nothing to over $5 trillion. $5 trillion. Now, this book was published in 96, probably. Wow. What's the name of this book again? Understanding Swaps. And who's the author? Uh, Marshall. Hmm, hold on. There's a couple of authors here. Uh, John F. Marshall. Professor of Finance and where uh, Graduate School of Business, St. John's University, New York. Mm. <clears throat> uh, Kenneth R. Kapner. That's OK. I just need the one name. It's well, a, this is a famous name on there. Those two guys. Yeah. Jack Marshall and Ken Kapner. But even when this book was published, already $5 trillion. Can you imagine what it really is? It's got to be $500 trillion by now. It's got to be. Well, let's see. In 19, I forget when the guy says the Madoff thing, the guy testifying against Madoff or against the SEC, we should actually. We should know his name, and we should repeat his it's, name. It starts with an M. Well, we should repeat his name over and over and over because this is the Paul Revere of our time. It's on this piece of paper. It's With the rest Markopoulos. 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 M-A-R-K-O-P-O-L-O-U-S. Markopoulos. 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 Like Acropolis, only Mark Markopoulos. Yeah, Markopoulos. Markopoulos Acropolis. Well, he should have an Acropolis named after him. And apparently, I guess he's, he knows of another billion-dollar Ponzi scheme that's out there that he's going to... But that's that's but that's a fractal going down. We need to look at the fractals going up because you just don't have a fifty billion dollar fractal sticking out of space for no reason without something above it, as John Brown says in the chat room. Probably one point four quadrillion in uh, <laughs> in swaps out there. I believe it. I believe it. You never know. <laughs> Somebody, those yachts are expensive. Have you ever seen those mothers, man? Those things. Are, I've seen. Oh. I saw them in Monte Carlo, oh, and I've seen a lot of God. photos. You know, Paul Allen has three of them. But but you know, with, and, with, yeah, but with two helicopters on it, that, that just blows me away. Yeah, what do you need two helicopters? One for each foot? Oh. it's just like a lot of them have a, a, a couple of helicopters and a submarine. I've you know I. I'm very interested in personal submersibles. <laughs> the Amsterdam police have one that they use in the canals. It's a one-man uh, submarine, which is just the cutest thing ever. And what they, they use it for is to go around and see if people aren't dumping uh, human waste from their boats into the uh, uh, into the canals or into the, the rivers. So they're oh. literally spying under you to see if you're pooping in the water. <laughs> But the but it's a beautiful little sub. It's just, you know like oh I, lo I would there love to have one. It was a company up in up in the Microsoft territory in Washington State. I don't I haven't followed them for years, but I remember seeing the, they, they call I think it was called American Submarine, and they were yeah. trying to commercialize submarines instead of you know instead of buying a speedboat, you'd buy one of these things. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some uh, some of those companies, and they were uh, you know like like a yacht, like a serious yacht sized submarine. 
Yeah. That would, you know, and do, you know, like 10 knots or some 12 knots underwater, you know, like some serious, serious hardware, you know, 80 or 90 million dollars. Sure. I, I'm sure that, that it's available if you want it. wonder who would own one of those things. Well, uh, only someone who has acquired massive amounts of money. And I guess the only way you can get that kind of money is by cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that sound kind of right? Yeah, uh, you know, either that or you. Uh, there's some. There's probably some elements of that in any one of those super fortunes. I mean, let's, let's take a look at Bill. You know, and is the world's richest man for a while, and uh, you know, he he basically scammed some guy out of MS DOS for fifty thousand dollars and built his fortune around that, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, played uh, dirty football throughout most of the run-up of this Microsoft stock when it was, you know, doing well. There you go. In fact, one story I remember I was told by one of the lawyers that used to work with Gary Kildall was that Microsoft was almost going to go out of business for a while until they went to Gary to get uh, a license for CPM, and uh, manufacture what was a, what was an add-in card, a CPM card that you put in the Apple II to run CPM programs on really? an Apple. Really? Yeah, it was a Microsoft. It's called a soft card. Huh. Microsoft saved the company with that because uh, Kilo didn't want to license CPM to anybody, but they talked him into it, and he f- felt he could do them a favor and save the company. He saved the company, and the next thing you know, Microsoft does everything it can to screw CPM. over. Yeah, of course. Digital research, CPM, and you know, but mainly Gem, the operating system they came up with, the graphical user interface operating system called uh, Gem. Gem, yes, I remember that. That that yeah. that they were signing deals with left and right, and Microsoft. Uh, this guy says, you know, he. They said they'd go in and sign a deal, and they'd see Bill go in there like a week later and and queer the deal, one after another. Gem never went anywhere, and then you know, CPM and Gary ended up. Uh, actually, Gary ended up dead. On a, on a weird bar stool incident in Monterey, I think. <laughs> really? You know, yeah. that that is deemed as pornographic in the United Kingdom. What? A weird bar stool accident. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> I, I'd just like to thank uh, all of the No Agenda and Daily Source Code listeners for um, sending me the audio recording of Flight 1549. Yes, thank you. I, I have heard it. Um, we played it. Yeah, it's just thousands of emails. And I and I just want to say the following about it. Um, so I listened to the NTSB version. It's pretty funny. There's a guy who comes on and says, my name is John Bubba. I'm from the NTSB. I certify that this is the true recording. And then subsequently, the whole <laughs> thing is edited. Because you, you can hear it. You, hear, you literally hear the static fade in, you know, which is not the way typical... The reception works on aircraft communications. So they're fading it in and out, whatever. You know, besides the fact that the pilot, and I find this very, very strange, very strange. There's one thing when you're flying, and again, I've, I've been an aviator for a number of years. I have thousands of hours to my name, fixed wing and rotary. I've been around. I've flown in America. I've flown in uh, Holland, France, Germany, the United Kingdom. Messing up your call sign is like a big no-no, and there's a couple of reasons for it. Even if, if, 
if I have my call sign November 277 Delta Sierra, if there's someone out there that is Golf November 275 Delta Sierra, the controller will mention it specifically. Just so you know, Delta Sierra, he'll give me then an abbreviation. There is another Delta Sierra out there. I'm going to call him this. Right? So the captain calls himself Flight uh, Cactus 1539. The controller repeats it as Cactus 1529. The actual flight number, according to all press, is 1549. Okay? It's on radar. The radar screen will actually show the flight number. How can the captain, the, the pilot in command, mess up his call sign? Okay, maybe because his engines went out, whatever. Um, that is highly suspicious. I don't just gloss over it. I think there's something very messed up with that. It's just wrong. And it's confusing, and that alone is a dangerous situation where you have, at least in communication, two different versions of the flight number. Now, second, the um, the general consensus amongst aviators out there is that this is really an Airbus problem. The Airbus, unlike uh, Boeing, is totally fly-by-wire. The computer controls everything. So when the pilot... Uh, thrusts up his engines, he's not in direct contact with the engines. He's in direct contact with something called a FADEC. And the FADEC stands for Fully Authorized, Fully Authorized Digital Engine Controller. So the computer is authorized to make decisions about the throttle. So let's just presume the bird strike is real and something got ingested into the engines. The general theory is that the Airbus computer decided to shut down the engines, which may not have been necessary. You don't necessarily blow up or fall out of the sky if you ingest a bird, and a double bird strike like this is already so highly unlikely. So, strange. Third thing, and then I'm never going to talk about it again because it'll come out one day, and then I'll do a neener neener. Um, Third thing as you're listening to the cockpit report recordings, not until the very end, remember, this is an Air, an Airbus without engines gliding through the sky. Engines are out. The computer has shut down the engines. You do not hear a single warning bell, prox, nothing. Not a single thing is going off in that cockpit until the very, very end when he says, you'll find this in the Hudson, and you hear what to me sounds more like a stall warning, but there I can hear some sound. But all the while, I do not hear anything in this cockpit. So I don't like those three things. Um, I'm happy that everyone got down safely. I think it's a, a great feat by the crew, uh, which I include the flight attendants because they're there really for your safety, not to serve you a drink, you stupid, lazy bastard. And uh, it stinks to high hell. It stinks, it stinks, it stinks, and I'm never going to talk about it again, but one day you'll see that, it was stinky. Nah, they'll never come out. You, there, you left out the other thing, or unless there was another version of the recording that included it, which was the controller saying the, the pilot has uh, said he's had a bird strike, and but he never did. No, I went back and I listened to it. Um, I listened to the original recording, and he says, bird strike, lost thrust. Oh, then the guy says he's lost both engines. Did he ever say that? Yeah, it, it, because okay, I was, okay. I was just, listening. Just yeah, no, just... no, no, no. That that felt good to me. That that felt All like. Right. I, I will say, um, there's a couple things. So, so the sequence doesn't really make sense because you know the pilot basically says, "I want to come back," 
And the guy says, okay. And then he says, I couldn't get it for you. And and I'm not quite sure what he couldn't get. It seems like I'm missing something where someone says, you know, you can't come back, you can't land on this runway, because he calls someone. But th- th- that part, I, you know, and I'm pretty good at listening to the radio and hearing those communications. There was something weird about it. The whole thing well, here's is what, just weird. Here's what I'd be on the lookout for. There were a number of executives from the Bank of America on that plane. Yep. Now, if any executive, how many? Thirty. If any of these people show up dead in the next, uh, let's say, year under mysterious circumstances, especially if more than one of them do, yeah, there may be something to that. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I told you that theory was it was it's warring bank factions. It's basically the the Vatican Roman bankers versus the Jewish <laughs> no, bankers. The Vatican. Yeah, yeah, no, because it was the. Yeah, remember, we talked about this. The Bank of America came initially from an Italian bank. Well, it was actually an American bank called the Bank of Italy. Yeah, but and in San Francisco, right? Yeah, yeah, but before, but so all that money came from. I mean, that's the version that's out there is that, oh, it was, you know, Italian. No, I don't think so. I think it's a economic hitman stuff. It, it was, interestingly, on the same day that they uh, went to uh, to the government to say, hey, we need another $18 billion to buy Merrill Lynch. Which they got. Maybe somebody has something on the government, you know. Maybe one of those executives is uh, knows too much. Well, anyway... So I don't know. Hey, just yeah, think. I, yeah. I I apologize to the Bank of America executives for implying that they. Uh, are, That's are okay because under- we all, we all know John. They're white folks, and then they're ignorant motherfuckers like you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, we could go on for hours, but let's not. No, we'll be back on Thursday. We'll be back on the Thursday. Yeah, so we're going to try and do Thursday and uh, and Sundays in the morning. In the morning. And we'll have our jingles, hopefully, by next week. Uh, if you can write them for me, I think uh, I can probably get yeah, I'll have them. Yeah, I'll have them done to, to this weekend. Yeah, I've got I a bunch of things to do. i also got to put my list of uh, donors on the blog and the um, a couple other things i got to do. I'm behind in my work. And uh, why don't you open up uh, an Amazon account for us? Would sell or, books or no uh, Amazon uh, a PayPal account or something or something for the show? Yeah, I have a uh, I have a PayPal account I'm using now to collect money, but we can have, we set up a separate one, or I can just set up a, a subdomain on that one. Yeah, I mean I trust you, right? You know. Yeah, it's yeah, it's all as in far the, as I can the... throw you. <laughs> Everybody's got the image of you trying to throw some big fat guy. Yeah, because I think what we're going to do is we're not going to take any advertisement, but you know you know what'll happen. Is after the events of this coming week, we're going to have to do three shows a week just to just to keep people sane, to keep them from going out and killing. You know, we're going to have to continue to unveil the uh, the mask as we disconnect the batteries of the new world order. There we go. I like that one. That's a good one, isn't it? Disconnecting yeah. the batteries of the new world order. Yeah, it's like Crackpot it. and the Buzzkill on the lookout. Yeah, write that down so Dave can cut. I'm that. writing it down yeah. now as we speak. Okay. And I, I still got work to do. Jeez. Anyway. 
Uh, uh, we got through a few things. It was a good show. Yeah. Coming to you from Southwest London and Gitmo Nation East, in the basement of Curry Terrace. I'm Adam Curry. I'm on the hill in northern Silicon Valley, the Gitmo Nation. We'll talk to you again next week. What was your name again? John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again next uh, Thursday, <laughs> right here on No Agenda. <laughs>